right, welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref with Josh Helmer. <laughs> I'm Chris Plank. 580 Nate is on one again today on the text line at 405-651-3439. This is good. From Brazilian Sooner who writes, remember the days when Kingsbury tried blocking a certain quarterback from playing for Riley? Ah, how things have changed. Well, I mean, if you remember when that transfer first happened, Lincoln wasn't even at OU, right? We're talking about Baker Mayfield. Mayfield transferred and worked a year scout team, right? He was on the scout team, and he always talks about how good that scout team was because they had, what, him, Mark Andrews, what, Doriel Green-Beckham, who never stepped on the field for the Sooners outside of maybe, what, a spring game or a practice. Like, they were – Orlando Brown Jr. was on that offensive line. There, Books will be written about that scout team, kind of like Jason White talks about that 2000 scout team. But, yeah, I don't – was, wasn't the big fight the year of eligibility? And I know this was only like five years ago, but I want to say the true, the true battle wasn't even really won for that extra year until we thought that Baker might be out of eligibility, right? And Kyler Murray had transferred in from Texas A&M thinking that, oh, this is Baker's last year, and then Baker gets another year. So – I don't know. Um, that's, that's, a, that's a good memory on your part, Brazilian Sooner. But if I remember correctly, it was even after he had played games with the Sooners. We still had thought, Josh, back in those days, whenever transfers were viewed much differently than they are now, um, because Texas Tech you know, wouldn't release him. I don't know if it was release him or, or what the proper term was, but he was going to have to lose a year of eligibility sitting out because he transferred in conference. My gosh, how antiquated does that seem now whenever you watch college basketball and college football? Holy smokes. Literally every single guy on a college basketball roster played somewhere else. Same thing with college football. And it doesn't seem like we care anymore if it's in conference. Well, and I know this is not related to that really at all, but Mm -hmm. with the the COVID exceptions getting mixed in too, it's been – yeah, a completely different world. It's been, at times, crazy town with eligibility for players and how many years of eligibility they get. But, yeah, we're – man, we're we're so far removed from that. It's it's wild to think that uh, that whole debate and that amount of outrage yeah. existed in that situation. Well, and, and one more thing just to add to it. It's still – it's still to me – we're stats. He usually remembers all this stuff. It's It's wild. It's wild to me how passionate that fight was. I mean, I I remember hearing a story about Joe Castiglione at the athletic director's meeting, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, pounding the table saying, this is not right. He should have another year of eligibility. This is unfair. And if, as I understood it, it was a scratch and claw and fight. Now we don't even know what year a guy is. Or Kelly is like, you sophomore? Oh, you're, re- oh, you're a senior. Oh, you're a senior, but you have four more years of eligibility left. Okay, yeah, all right. Yeah, because see, I got a year 
um, with the COVID exemption, and then I still have I still have my free transfer. I haven't taken that yet. And then, you know, I had an injury in my freshman year, so I got a medical hardship for that. I mean, it's just crazy to think about, you know, trying to figure out eligibility questions right now with half of uh, college football, college basketball, and diamond sports. But, yeah, good, good, good memory, Brazilian Sooner. All right, uh, it's the Plank Show. It is a Tuesday edition. I'm on the road with softball in Baton Rouge. We'll get to some thoughts on the LSU team and what we're looking forward to tonight. Uh, you guys are on fire today on the air comfort, or the uh, text line 405-651-3439 and of course uh, everyone can hit us up on the Riverwind Casino jackpot line if you want to jump in on the conversation at 405-329-9000. Always active on Twitter at Josh on Rep. I'm at Plank Show. Josh, do you remember what you just told me during the break? Do you remember what you reminded me we are very close to? The National Football League draft. We are two weeks away, essentially. Two weeks, two days. To the NFL draft. Let's go. And, and we're two weeks away from this being draft week, right? Because you have, let's see, next week. Everything to me is based on where the Sooners are in their schedule. All right? That, that's how everything works for me. So this week being Miami of Ohio week. Next week being Baylor slash birthday week, and it's draft week. So you're basically you're two weeks away and what th- three days from the NFL draft. So yesterday, Josh, I went through Dane Brugler's beast. Now this is if if you're not familiar with Dane Brugler, he's kind of an up and coming. I don't, I don't even say up and coming anymore, but I feel like in draft conversations, everything is pretty much centered around what Mel Kiper and Todd McShay, but the Athletic in Dane Brugler, he's one of those guys that has been writing about the draft for a while and has really started to blow up, kind of like Daniel Jeremiah. So he puts out this – let me see, how many pages is this bad boy? Close to um, 300-page preview of the NFL draft. And it is, it is fascinating because what he does that's pretty unique – is he tries to go through every single draft-eligible player available and give you something on every single draft-eligible player available. So with that in mind, 308 pages. Do you think I should try to print that here at the hotel just to see how they would respond? (laughs) No, I would recommend you don't do that. Hi, do you have a business center? I need to print 308 pages. Is that okay? So real quick, Let's go through where he has the Sooners, just so you can kind of get an idea of how the Oklahoma Sooner players are viewed. By the way, Josh Helmer, I will say uh, he's got a lot of love for your boy Lucas Van Ness out of Iowa, one of four edge rushers that he has projected to go in the first round, number three overall. Which, by the way, I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of rooting for a trade back for the Raiders and go get Lucas Van Ness. But we're not here to talk about the Raiders, right? We're not here to talk about the uh, we're not here to talk about the Iowa Hawkeyes. We're nope. here to talk about the Oklahoma Sooners. Correct. So I just went in order of position. All right. He has Eric Gray as his 11th ranked running back. Now again, we don't have a quarterback that's going to get drafted in this draft. So. We'll spare you the time on the quarterback conversation. He's got Eric Gray ranked as the 11th overall back with a third to fourth round grade on him. The interesting thing about Eric Gray that I guess didn't even really register to me, of the, let's see, he's got 34 
different running backs that he's gauged here. In that top, let's see, Eric Gray's age is at 23.48. In that top 35, he is the third oldest running back in that list. Actually, fourth, because there's some guy named Derek Parrish from Houston who's almost 25 and is going to be a restricted free agent. But it's interesting, right? He's, he's 11th overall. Names like... You know, Tank Bigsby from Auburn are ranked ahead of him. I'm a big Ty J. Spears guy. He's ranked ahead of him. But just in rankings, in draft projection, they're all kind of in that same realm, right? Outside of B. John Robinson as a slam dunk first round pick, Jameer Gibbs is is a first or second round guy. Then you get to Zach Charbonnet, uh, the A&M kid who I can never pronounce his last name right. I, I think it's what Devon Akaney. Uh, I'm I'm sorry, I'm terrible at this kid's name, and it doesn't sound like it's spelled, so I see it, and then I want to say it the wrong way. But these dudes are ranked ahead of Eric Gray. I feel like, though, I might have had him top 10. There's a few guys I might have had lower. But 11th for Eric Gray with a third to fourth round projection on EG, ahead of names like Deuce Vaughn, ahead of names like Chase Brown, ahead of names like Keaton Mitchell out of East Carolina who's drawn a lot of buzz. I don't know about you, Josh. I feel like that's a that's a pretty good spot for Eric Gray. Third, fourth round grade's not yeah. bad at all. I mean, that's yeah. that's probably about where we would suspect that he would get drafted. I agree. And so with that in mind, you carry that over to what Chad Reuter, who covers the NFL draft for NFL.com, and he actually is one of the few guys that does a full uh, four-round mock draft. He has Eric Gray projected to go to – the Kansas City Chiefs with pick number 122 in the NFL draft. So, I don't are are you guys looking you are looking at running back this year, aren't you? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Probably. It seems like is Kansas there, City a lot of times has gone the I know they drafted Clyde Edwards-Alaire early, but uh seems like a lot of times they've gone late rounds running back or free agent uh, running back, I'd be, I don't know, I'd be surprised by it. Okay. Um, Let's hit receiver. This is a fascinating NFL draft to me at receiver. And obviously we're focused here on Marvin Mims. Um, There could be as many as four to five receivers go in the first round. There could be as few as one. To me, there is there is one true first-round pick at receiver right now, and it's Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. I love Jalen Hyatt. Um, you know, boy, Quentin Johnston is really – he's paying the price for the lack of success of Big 12 wide receivers in the league right now. And that's a fascinating story if you guys ever want to dig into it because let's just say the outside of C.D. Lamb – the track record for Big 12 receivers taken in the first round or drafted at all, not good. Not good. And a lot of people have pointed to the lack of, of quality NFL talent they're facing at quarterback in in conference play. But that that's a conversation for maybe another day. And more importantly, Josh, that is an issue headed to the SEC uh, we're not going to have to worry about. <laughs> You're going to be playing first-round talent consistently at corner and at, at safety. So with that in mind, In that top 10 of wide receivers, we do find Marvin Mims. Mims is rated as the ninth receiver, 
projected right now as a third-round pick. In fact, in that Chad Reuter mock draft, he has he has Marvin Mims going 80th overall in his mock draft. That'd be third round to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I'm a big Marvin Mims believer. Um, I, I, I thought he looked fantastic at his pro day. In fact, of the guys that actually did something a couple of Wednesdays ago, he looked the best. I mean, he looked great. Uh, let's see, he had, he had a little summary on him. Um, and he basically said this, Mims must prove himself versus press man coverage and expand his route running inventory with improved stem balance slash footwork. But his bread and butter will always be his field stretching speed and finishing skills. He will add an explosive element to an NFL offense as a rotational rookie receiver and punt receiver. You feel pretty good about that projection on uh, on one Marvin Mims? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think there's a chance that he could be a second-round guy if somebody really likes him. He ran so well at the, the combine that that's going to wow some folks. And as we've discussed, I don't know how many times, but coaches, the, the technical stuff, I think they worry less about that, Plank. I mean, look, they'll – They'll uh, grill you over that in an interview setting, but ultimately, if the the route tree combinations are the pieces that you're missing, coaches, th- that's they love that, right? Talent right. evaluators, they want to know that the the raw speed is there, and, and that's there with Marvin Mims. I agree. Yeah, and I think, you know, Marvin Mims, I thought he said some really smart stuff during his interviews. interviews. Yeah. And everyone kind of lost their mind for a skosh, Josh, with the, oh, well, what does he mean he didn't have to run the complete route tree when he was at Oklahoma? I, I think any of us, if you just take your, your Sooner or your, your fandom or your disdain, whichever way you want to look at it, if your NFL team ended up drafting Marvin Mims, I think you'd feel pretty good about it, wouldn't you? No doubt. Absolutely. With with the type of production that he's had at college, and again the the speed, yeah, I mean I think he's got a chance to be really good for a long time in the NFL. By the way, two quick texts on this since we were just talking about Eric Gray. Um, Sooner Gundy writes, Eric Gray. Um, oh wait, hold on a second. It helps if I actually click on it. Eric Gray probably be a little higher if he runs a better forty. Maybe I I still. I mean, I don't think anyone's really necessarily on board with me, but I am still just shocked that he didn't run a second 40 at his combine. Now, again, again, let's be clear, um, 40 times might not be as important to some as they once were because, I mean, he ran a 4-6-2-40, but his 10-yard split was right there with, with B. John Robinson. So maybe that 40 time not as important to some as those 10-yard splits. But Sooner Gundy, I, I agree with you. And 5808 writes, Cowboys are in play for Eric Gray. Well, they could be unless the Cowboys draft B. John Robinson in the first round. Then maybe they're not, which apparently is a big rumor that's picking up steam. 
All right, uh, so we hit Eric Gray, we hit Marvin Mims, Josh. Anything you want to add on those two guys thinking ahead to the NFL draft and where they might end up? Gray projected as a third to fourth rounder. Chad Reuter has him going in the fourth round of the Chiefs. Marvin Mims projected as a third rounder, and that's exactly where NFL.com has him going in the third round to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Anything on those two guys you want to add before we grab a break and talk about some of the big uglies? You agree chance for Mims to be a second-round guy? Yeah, absolutely. I think that I, – I, I think there is a much better chance of, of Mims and one other surprise guy ending up in the second round than maybe of an Eric Gray ended up in the second round. And we'll get to that surprise guy next. The Plank Show on the road in Baton Rouge. Let's finish our uh, draft nuggets from the, the, the beast that was put out by Dane Brugler. Again, uh, if you guys want to subscribe to The Athletic, it's right there for you. I just happened to dig through it, sharing it with you on this Tuesday right here on The Ref. All right, let's uh, let's hustle through the rest of these. Again, we're looking through some NFL draft notes, comparing and contrasting a few things. We really, you know, as we are just over two weeks away from the NFL draft, I, I don't really feel like we've done this. Even, you know, you think back to Combine Day, Josh, I was out for a majority of the show, and, you know, being over there, I, I don't really know how much we got – at Pro Day, except that Marvin Mims looked really good. Braden Willis still hasn't run a 40. Um, and, yeah, I don't, I don't think any of the – I don't think anyone pulled a Jordan Evans, which means, you know, Jordan Evans went to his Pro Day and wowed everyone. I think there was some good numbers. C.J. Colden looked good, but he's not showing up on anything. So maybe there's a chance for him as an undrafted free agent. But let, let's talk offensive line here real quick, right? We talked Eric Gray. We talked Marvin Mims. Gray projected third to fourth round. Uh, Marvin Mims, third round. Uh, in the NFL.com expanded mock, uh, mock draft, they had Gray going in the fourth round to Kansas City and Marvin Mims going in the third round to Pittsburgh. But they had, a, they had another guy going in the fourth round that kind of surprised me. Now, we all get where Anton Harrison is. He's either the third or fourth offensive tackle on the board. And that kind of depends on how you view uh, the right kid and the, uh, even Skaronsky, if you see him more as a guard than a tackle, maybe that moves up or moves down Anton Harrison. But Anton's got a chance to be the first first-round offensive lineman picked from Bill Beatonbow's tree. I think there's a really good chance I could see him going as high as maybe in the 20s. But the NFL draft, the NFL.com mock draft, Josh, it has Anton Harrison going as the first pick in the second round. And I kind of I'm starting to lean more and more towards that being what happens if he slides out of the first round, right? Anton Harrison, let's say he doesn't get drafted in the first round and they have a a couple of tackles that go ahead of him. I do think there's a really good chance that he could be a guy that you see teams make moves to go get at the top of the second round. I mean, technically, where Chad Reuter has him going, that's the first pick of the second round, which – hypothetically is a first-round pick because only 31 teams are picking in the first round because of the problems that the um, Miami Dolphins had. They lost their first-round pick in the whole Stephen Ross situation. So Anton Harrison projected at the end of the first round, top of the second round. I don't don't know what to make. You know, some people are saying these mock drafts are so ridiculously wrong this year that there's going to be some shocks. I would love for that shock to be, Josh, Anton Harrison going a little bit higher than anyone even projects. I just don't know. Well, and 
as you mentioned, for, for being both, I don't know that it's uh, any sort of a requirement, but look, I'm, I'm no rocket surgeon, but anytime <laughs> you can get somebody in the, the first round drafted just helps in terms of the, the recruiting side. Uh, probably that, that players, if it's, if it's not here with Anton Harrison, I don't, know, I don't know which player you would point to for Oklahoma, but there's going to be another offensive lineman if Bedenboe stays long enough that goes in the first round out of Absolutely. the University of Oklahoma. But, man, it'd be nice to just go ahead and check that box, wouldn't right. it? Absolutely. And, and, and I'm sitting here, I just, in looking at the Dane Brugler beast, the mock draft, or the draft guide, he doesn't even have Skronsky listed as a tackle. There's some people that think that the arms are too short. Remember the joke about small hands for quarterbacks? Short arms is now it for tackles. They've got uh, both Broderick Jones out of Georgia and Darnell Wright out of Tennessee projected ahead of Anton Harrison. This is one of the first places where I've seen both of those guys projected ahead of Anton, but I, I think he's going to get drafted very high. Sometimes we just really overthink some of this stuff. If, I agree. If uh, – if you're not drafting Skaronsky to be a tackle because you think his arms are too short, you're not doing football right. <laughs> the other thing I would say that um, Anton Harrison has going for him, he is – let me look through here. He's the youngest guy. He, he, he and uh, Matthew Bergeron, the, the kid out of Syracuse, both young. So we'll – you get a younger guy, have a chance to shape him in your mold and where you want him to be. I think that's going to help out Anton Harris. So just, just real quick, if you want to nerd out on uh, what he said, Harrison isn't a simple evaluation because of the Sooner scheme, but he has the movement patterns of a much smaller player and generally recovers well thanks to his athleticism and length. Although there will be a learning curve, he has the tools to become a long-term NFL starter. Now, here was the surprise to me in all of this, and I don't know if I should be surprised because we've talked about it enough, but continually see Wanye Morris, continually see Wanye Morris, Josh, as a guy that is projected very highly in all of these. Um, I was mentioning that four-round NFL draft. They had Wanye Morris as a fourth-round pick in Dane Brugler's list of, of offensive tackles. They have Morris listed as 12th overall. That third-round pick had Wanye Morris going 88th overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I They use the term grade the flashes a lot, so there's a lot of excitement over his ability. I, I do think that he is – he had a really solid season – but couldn't stay healthy, you know, got hurt against TCU. Don't know if he was ever really the same. I don't want to go as far as saying he's kind of viewed as a disappointment at Oklahoma because he did bounce back and have a bit of a redeeming final season. But Brugler wrote of Morris, Morris has NFL starting talent with frame, length, and athletic traits, but he looks like a completely different player when his leverage and technique fall apart. If he learns to become more fundamentally sound, he can lock down as a swing tackle in the NFL and eventually become a starter. Overall grade, fourth to fifth round. Why do I find myself so surprised by that when it comes to Wanye Morris? Well, because we had heard initially second, third round was right. a possibility for Wanye Morris. Yeah. I guess maybe there's a part of me that is still, still surprised that – 
the guy who couldn't get on the field his first season here and had a pretty good run this year. I mean, I don't know if I would call it great or elite Sooner fans. If you want to disagree with me, that's fine. 405-651-3439. You can text in or you can call in at 405-329-9000. But, yeah, we've heard potentially bottom of the second, top of the third. To see him projected in the fourth is fine. I don't know, Josh. There's just this part of me to see him projected to be drafted at all is kind of shocking based on what we saw at times. Yeah, no, that's – I think that's I think that's fair. Hmm. Let's see. So that's Wanye Morris, Anton Harrison. All right, uh, quickly, uh, Chris Murray is listed as the uh, – what, the bottom? I think he's the 13th prospect that's listed on offensive line. Undrafted free agent is his ranking. Um, they've got Jalen Redmond listed 18th amongst edge rushers, have him projected in the fifth to sixth round, and Braden Willis, who again – Never ran the 40. They've got Braden Willis projected in the sixth round right now. Any problem with any of those? I don't think Chris Murray's going to get drafted. He's going to end up being an, uh, an undrafted free agent, and we'll see how that works out. Oh, they have Turk listed as the fourth best punter heading nice. into this draft, right? They got three guys ranked ahead of him. Do they have him getting drafted? Let's see. I was No, uh, they don't. There were four punters that got drafted uh, last NFL draft. I know. I know, but they don't have him listed. Oh, you know what? Let me correct one thing here. They actually have Jalen Redmond still listed as a defensive tackle. I don't. So not an edge, not an edge guy. I don't think Jalen Redmond is going to be a defensive tackle in the league. I could be wrong, but I don't. I mean, we'll see. He's got to slim up quite a bit still to get to the edge rusher. But he looked really good, man. He looked really good at his pro day, right? That was one guy that didn't do a lot, but when he went out and did the mobility and showed off his footwork. I thought he looked really good at pro day. Um, anything else to add? Eric Gray, third to fourth round, 11th overall running back. Marvin Mims projected as the ninth best receiver. See him as a third-round guy. On the offensive line, Anton Harrison, number four amongst tackles. Now, Dane Brugler did not list Pete Skronsky out of Northwestern as an offensive tackle. Wanye Morris is on that list. Um, he's projected as a fourth to fifth rounder, which, again, it surprises me at times how low it is, um, but also that it surprises me that he's even projected to get drafted at all. Uh, Jalen Redman as a DT, fifth to sixth round. Braden Willis, sixth round projection at tight end with guys like Michael Turk, Chris Murray, and even Justin Broyles here listed as undrafted free agents. Anything else we need to add to that? It's a pretty good tight end class, is it not? Oh, and it's funny that you mention that because I, I actually had the tight end class up right here because – I, I don't know, Josh, if we're going to get multiple tight ends in the first round, but there's a really good chance that we can. Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame, beast. Uh, Dalton Kincaid, who had been in college for 86 years. Dalton Kincaid's 23, almost 24 years old. And then you've got, uh, who's the Georgia kid? Darnell Washington, Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State. I, I'll tell you. I really, really like the uh, uh, Schoonmaker kid out of Michigan. So, yeah, there is there is a lot of depth at tight end. But I think – don't you agree with Braden Willis it's a game tape thing? you got to turn on the game tape and watch him to truly appreciate what he can bring. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, ability to block on the perimeter, get downfield, set some creases out there, and then – 
you know, catches and runs well after the catch. So even though even though there's no 40 time to look at, I think you flip the tape on and you see somebody that absolutely is more than deserving of a sixth or seventh round selection. Or, you know, the right fit, maybe a little bit higher than that. Probably not much. You know, fifth round's probably as high as you're looking for Braden Willis. But uh, to me, he's somebody that absolutely could help uh, could help a team in the right situation. All right, you guys have takes on this. We'll dive into them next. The Plank Show is on the road in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, in anticipation of tonight's showdown between the Oklahoma Sooner softball team and the LSU Tigers. Quick preview of that game coming up in 15 minutes, but your texts are next on The Ref. Let's roll through a couple of these texts real quick before we get Mr. Sports in here. Frisco Sooner writes, fair question. Guys, are we positive Eric Gray gets drafted? I hope I'm wrong, but I could see a scenario of sixth or seventh round are not even drafted. Boy, I'd be shocked if he didn't get drafted. Yeah, me too. Uh, I, can see, I can see the sliding down the board scenario because of the, the 40 time a little bit, if that really, really, uh, really, really turns some teams off. But he had such a good final season at OU. And like you said, Plank, you can make a pretty easy argument that the 10-yard split is more important anymore than a 40-yard dash. You'd love to have the breakaway speed, but when I'm not taking it, when I'm not taking a running back in a first or second round, if I'm looking third, fourth, fifth round, okay, well, yeah, I'd love to have the guy that has the 40-yard dash that's 4-3, four, 4-4 four, four speed, right, but right. look, if I'm getting somebody that's 4-6 and the 10-yard splits the same or around the, the neighborhood as everybody else, then that's probably not all bad. So I could see him slip sliding down the board a little bit, but out of the, the draft altogether, undrafted, I don't think so. Guys like Ty J. Spears probably going to get taken ahead of him. Roshan Johnson, Kendra Miller probably going to get taken ahead of him. But, you know, he's in that group with Illinois' Chase Brown, uh, Zach Evans, Ole Miss, TCU, where I, I think there's a – there's a really good chance that he's going to get drafted. But, you know, if you were to go back with me, gosh, how long ago was it with Tony Jefferson 11 years ago, I would have told you I thought Tony Jefferson probably shouldn't have left early, but um, he's going to end up getting drafted, and he went undrafted. So I I completely and totally understand where you would be worried about that. I just think he kind of fits the mold in what teams are looking for in a third down back, right? Right. You know, Samaj P. Ryan is a little bit thicker, a little bit thicker, a little stronger than most third-down backs, but he's made a nice niche for himself in the league. Like he just got paid by Denver. I think Eric Gray can be that. Uh, Wade in OKC writes, with the proliferation of successful OU linemen in the NFL, does it even matter if they're first round or not? I mean, that's fair. That's fair, but when we talk about the successful offensive lineman in the league, that conversation from Oklahoma, that conversation starts with two top five picks, two top ten picks, right? Starts with Lane Johnson and Trent Williams. So, yeah, I think it matters. But, you know, it's uh, Travis was hitting us up on the super secret Textosa line. He's a Super Bowl champion left tackle. Orlando Brown Jr. is a great quote-unquote don't overthink the pre-draft process example. You're right. And, you know, all those monies that you see on the graphics that are released talking about the OU linemen, I could not agree uh, even more with 5808 Nate, who wrote, "If I'm, I'm no NFL scout, but if the, OL pro- the offensive line prospect played for Coach B, 
I'd give them an auto one-round upgrade. <laughs> but it it's more, I think, Josh, of a, of a Cruton thing, right, than it is anything else. And as you start building that kind of bag of first-round picks, I mean, Walter Rouse has a chance with, with what he's been able to do throughout his career with a year under Bill Beanboat to be a guy that could be talked about like Anton Harrison is right now next sure. year. Sure, right? So it's it's not a matter of, boy, are we ever going to get a first-round pick as an offensive tackle or offensive lineman? Does it really matter? Not not, not really. But I just think it kind of helps out in your recruiting stuff you're able to send out. Good text, super secret text from one Mr. Uh, Travis Davidson. Beanboat doesn't have the first-round pick. Uh doesn't have the first-round pick uh, label, Skins. yeah. but he has dudes that make it to their second NFL contract. That's equally important. And, and that is, right? I mean, that, that would be a nice little selling point is, look, you know, the folks that we've sent to the National Football League, they're getting paid via that second contract. They're sticking. They're, they're making it into the league, and they're hanging around. Now, granted, again, he's got that, and Oklahoma has that, and they should be very proud of it, and absolutely it helps. But it's just one other feather in the cap to to say right. you've got the first round track record too. Um, one more, I don't know why I clicked off the text. Uh, I don't know if the Chiefs have a first round pick this year, but if Anton Harrison is still available when they're picking, I think they'll take him. Well, good news, they do have a first round pick. It's the thirty first pick in the first round. I think what the last pick in the first round. And yep, Josh, there are a lot of projections that have them going with either Anton Harrison or. Using that as this, actually, they have the, uh, they do have the thirty-first pick. A lot of people have maybe making a trade with someone, trying to trade back into the first round and maybe get a quarterback or to get a, a right. cornerback. But if you don't have trades projected in your in your mock drafts, which I think is dumb to project trades, uh, most people have the Chiefs maybe going either receiver or offensive tackle at thirty-one. So you're saying there's a chance? I'm sorry. So you're telling me? There's a chance. So you're telling me there's a chance. Uh, wide receiver would make a lot of sense for Kansas City. Could you imagine? Anton Kansas would be pretty nice, though. Can you imagine? Kansas City is going to be sitting there, a team that is already absolutely positively loaded, and someone's going to overthink the wide receiver position, and uh, a Jalen Hyatt is going to be there for them to get. I just – if Jackson Smith and Jigba ends up as the Chiefs, I quit. I'm done. I'm over with the NFL. It would, it would be fantastic. It would be terrible. Mr. Sports, what's going on, Mr. Sports? How are you on this Tuesday? Fellas, I'm just uh, been busy, busy. Uh, hey, Frank, uh, I thought I was going to have to call our boy Gary Cavins uh, yesterday. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I had a uh, – I had a bull that decided he would leave the barn, and he forgot where the door was, so he oh, no. took the whole entire side of the barn out and uh, not dropped the roof down and everything. But um, had some neighbors hopped in, and we got her put back together. But I thought about Gary Cavins a couple of times while I was doing this. Trust me, as <laughs> BV um, would as BV would put it, this bull he's a uh, he's a dude now. He's about twenty three hundred pounds, and uh, he just decided exit left when he should have went right. But um, anyway, I've been enjoying this draft talk, and um, I'm going to ask you guys a question, and I'm going to take it off the air. But before I go, I want to leave you with this. You know, I'm a third-generation rancher, and um, ranchers have always often been criticized that 
we're not farmers. Really? Well, trust me, we're farmers. We just use four-legged lawnmowers. <laughs> Fellas, have a great day. And what was your question? Oh, you never got his question in there. Uh, what do you guys think the uh, Raiders are going to do at number seven overall? Well, Mr. Sports, I think that's a great question. Um, it's <laughs> Did I tell you about the uh, – I had a very similar situation that Mr. Sports had with a bull. Uh, only mine was with a turkey. We have We have turkeys on our property, and – I uh, I uh, I had a turkey get caught in my chicken coop. Turkeys are uh, they're pretty dumb, dude. I don't know how else to put it, but this dumb thing ran into a fence head on like ten times. I have the video of it because I was pretty sure this thing was going to attack me. But that dummy ran straight into a fence about twenty times whenever there was an open door that I was holding right there next for him or her, whatever it was. So I can feel you. I feel your pain. Now, obviously, bull may be a little bit more concerning than some dumb wild turkey. And not the drink, a legit wild turkey. But, yeah, I was I was kind of fearing for my life, Josh. I didn't know how this thing would end. So what do you naturally do whenever you're fearing for your life? You videotape it. <laughs> you're right. Indeed. Sh- I, I, I sent the video to my wife this morning, and she's like, please tell me you didn't put that on social media. I'm like, I didn't. She goes, you're so dumb. It's it's not a dude. It's a it's a female turkey. I'm like, I don't. Do you know the difference between them? Is this like a known thing? And I'm the only one who doesn't know the difference. Maybe, yeah, I suppose. Really? So you would be able to tell the difference between a male and female no, turkey? No, absolutely okay, okay. not. See, I didn't either. Absolutely it's a very, not. very embarrassing moment. But when you watch this turkey running a hundred miles an hour into a fence, turkeys sneaky athletic. Sneaky athletic, like a white receiver. If you saw a turkey as an athlete, you'd be like, coach's kid, lunch pail, you know, all those things you say. Sneaky athletic, Josh, but not really smart. Great fundamentals, intangibles. Great great fundamentals, intangibles. Worry a little bit about the uh, mind on this thing, running into a straight fence. I've I've got the question, by the way, from Mr. Sports. Go for it. For players that leave early. Uh-huh. And wind up fifth, sixth, seventh round, you name it, right? Fourth right. round, toss it in. Do they second guess? How much do they second guess the decision to leave early? Um, I think some do. I think some do. I think if you're a running back or maybe a, maybe a corner or somewhere where you know it's kind of like that clock's ticking on your time because of your speed and your legs, I don't think you can second guess it. Yeah, running back, you just go. You got to go, man. You got to go. Um, it's it's it sounds terrible to say, but first chance if you've got a if you feel like you're a top three four round pick, uh, you got to go. Um, wide receiver maybe Josh definitely offensive lineman. I mean I'm still I, I I hate a guy that left early that I wish he could have stayed another year and things might have ended better for him was Adrian Ely. You know that's a guy that had another year of eligibility and ended up going undrafted and I think he's. He's even having a hard time, you know, staying on a practice squad, right? So, you know, I think offensive linemen might be the ones that realize time usually helps us out more than any other position. As long as you stay healthy, time helps offensive linemen much more than it does any other position on the field. But, yeah, and, oh, to answer your question, no, you can't come back. If you're like, oh, I don't like where I'm drafted, I'm going back to school. I'm sure it's inevitable that that will happen, but I, you, you can't come back. 
All right, thank you, Mr. Sports. When we come back, uh, get you ready for the top five stories today. Plus, I owe you a preview of OULSU. We'll do it next. <laughs> uh, welcome back into the playing show right here on The Wrap. It, it's, it's funny. There's some people that, that dig a phone call from Mr. Sports. There's other people that openly complain. But that's, that's the beauty of sports radio. I absolutely love it. And um, Jay, Jay from Medill writes, uh, males have beards, most anyway, and it's turkey season. Don't air you have turkeys unless you want visitors. It's Oklahoma, just saying. I think these dudes are, like, protected. I'm not even kidding. The See, I told you guys, I, I, I don't want to make – get back to sports guy lives rent-free in my head. But let's just say the guy who died in my house that literally um, – they didn't tell us about it when we bought the house, which I feel like is something they need to let you know when you buy a house. Um, but he, one of his claims to fame in his obit, Josh, was that he helped rebuild the turkey population in Goldsby. So I, I had a dream one night that he came and told me I need to start feeding these turkeys or he's going to continue to haunt me. So needless to say, I fed the turkeys. <laughs> I haven't heard from him since. All right, um, real quick, I wanted to talk a little bit about tonight's matchup against LSU. Early in the show, someone said, are we going to see a same situation where Oklahoma sees six different pitchers tonight, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Yeah, there's a really good chance we might. There's a really good chance we might. LSU throws – has thrown six different pitchers on occasion this year. And uh, the one who threw the least in Emma Stroud just threw um, this past weekend – against Missouri they have three pitchers that they've had uh that have had 10 or more appearances but then much like Texas Tech you got a pitcher that's pitched six times um Casanova's thrown a couple of times and Strude as we said has thrown a couple of times so yeah I really think that you're going to see a lot of different arms tonight and obviously we'll be seeing where Taylor Pleasance is their shortstop she's one of the best players in college softball one of the best players on the roster We'll see what her availability looks like tonight if she's back to 100%. In fact, let's talk Sooner Softball, the top five stories of the day next.